everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, Volume 5, Issue 214. You can play along with us as more and more of you are telling us that you're doing, which we love. And our next five podcasts will include the games Doom 3, and that will include, of course, the BF3, BF3, BFG edition, and the Resurrection of Evil add-on, and the extra stuff that came with the BFG edition. Uh, then we have Beyond Two Souls. Uh, I know people enjoy our Quantic Dream podcasts. Uh, after that, it's the small matter of The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, as I believe that musical instrument should be pronounced but everyone says ocarina uh after that it's conquer's bad fur day and of course the live and reloaded version we'll talk about what they did with that and then josh will be hosting his beloved persona 3 podcast talking about all the versions of that uh, at the time of recording we're experiencing severe site difficulties but by the time you hear this that'll all be over so uh, apologies for that uh, you should now be able to head to canarince.com for all the usual articles features reviews as well as links to our friendly forum our facebook page and our excellent youtube channel and if you enjoy what we do there are now a number of ways that you can support us uh, through our patreon uh, on which there is nothing other than a virtual tips box a donation jar if you will you can uh, pledge to give us a dollar a month or more or just a one-off pledge if you remember to cancel your uh, your details as one listener happily told us they didn't but they were happy to contribute twice anyway that's at patreon.com slash cane and uh, but if you prefer to get something for any money you care to kindly throw our way we also have a spreadshirt shop shop.spreadshirt.co.uk slash cane and rinse where you can buy lovely t-shirts and bags and they really are very nice please also remember to check out our video games music podcast sound of play as i say we've recently had some new subscribers to that and they've said things along the lines of why wasn't i listening to this from the start they love it it's amazing we're up to 36 37 something like that now uh, the people who listen to it love it very much as much as they love this old cane and rinse business so do check that out review rate and subscribe to both on itunes stitcher radio tune in or wherever else you get it from and can tell people about it or just in the real world just tell people i like cane and rinse i like sound of play you should listen it's really good all right now joining me leon cox in this issue we have james carter hello I didn't think about calling you James Cody Carter. Uh, we'll have Carl. Who would you like to be? Hagar? Uh, I'm usually a guy, man. You're a guy, Carl, guy, moon. And joining us all the way live, uh, although it's recorded, from the Game Developer Conference in the US of A, uh, it's Andrew Smith. Hello. Welcome, Andrew. So, Andrew, uh, you are now a part of Spilt Milk Studios. Correct. But... The reason you're here is because, well, Andrew listens to the show and uh, some time ago, even before we'd scheduled this show, and in fact, this request is partly why we scheduled this show, uh, Andrew said, do you know, I used to work at Proper Games and when I was there, I was the designer on Final Fight Double Impact for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. So I couldn't turn an offer like that down. Uh, so here he is and we're going to get uh, deep into the process of what it means, uh, what it takes to bring uh, something like that to the to the systems. I mean, this was now six years ago, wasn't it? So, but I'm sure the the fundamentals are still the same. Yeah, yeah. You're making me feel old now, but yeah, it was. 
I know it doesn't seem like that long ago, does it? Uh, I still think of it as, you know, I see it there on my dashboard. I bought another copy the other day because as we were coming into doing the show, James mentioned that uh, it was heavily discounted on PSN and I had the 360 yeah. version, which I bought day one back then. So I just thought, well, I c- I'm going to play Final Fight through three more times at least. <laughs> so I'll spend £2.49 on the PS3 version and uh, get some trophies. So, so that's good. I now own it twice. Uh, but we are also, as always, of course, going to talk about the original Final Fight, um, and that is a, of course, a, a CPS coin-op released first in December 1989, right at the end of the 80s, as was Clax, as I recall, because it's uh, anyway. That's a complete diversion. Um, it was a raster-based coin-op, of course, with a display of 384 by 224 pixels in 3,072 colours. And yes, as we know, it was by Capcom. Uh, some of Capcom's finest coin-op developers who had been who'd spent most of the last decade bringing us all those amazing games that you know from the arcades. So Yoshiki uh, Okamoto, Akira Nishitani, and Akira Yasuda. Uh, who's also one of the main uh, artists, uh, designer and artist, I think that's right. Now, originally, uh, Yoshihiro Sakaguchi was the only credited composer on Final Fight, I understand. I don't know if you know anything about this, Andrew, but it turns out that actually, as you can probably tell from the music being such a a sort of eclectic bunch of tunes, actually seven different composers from the internal Capcom studios worked on Final Fight, including some people who uh, you'll be familiar with, like the amazing Yoko Shimomura, who we featured on Sound of Play many times. Was that something that came up during Double Impact or not a relevant It actually wasn't. uh, That's news to me. Um, We did get some Ah, weird behind-the-scenes bits of info, but but nothing really about the, the credits and the team. Well, please chip in with any nuggets that you have. Just, just cut across me and dive in. Um, so, famously, this game was known as uh, Street Fighter '89 um, in development, and uh, it was it went as far as trade shows with that name before people started to say, "Well, it's nothing like Street Fighter One." Obviously, we were still two years away from Street Fighter Two at this point. Uh, Okamoto San cited the arcade version of Double Dragon 2 The Revenge as the basis now obviously the progressive beat em up the scrolling brawler whatever you want to call it had already been around for some years at this point we'd had the Kunio-kun slash Renegade slash Double Dragon series um, Konami had chipped in with Crime Busters I'm not sure what its Japanese name was we had Irem's uh, Renegade which was kind of like Kung Fu Master which was Spartan X uh, that was also IREM, I think. Um, so this was not a new genre by the time Capcom got round to, to entering it. Um, but I think some of the stuff they did, as we'll see, particularly on Sega's uh, entry into the series, it was quite influential. Um, the scenario of the game is uh, that it... Well, in the Japanese version, the the, the battle on on the streets takes place in 89... Um, and the th- thing that always amuses me, the, the characters actually have their birth dates in the intro sequence um, on the, the uh, arcade ROM, which means that Mike, Mike Hagar, uh, some people say Hagar, but I think it's Hagar, isn't it? Because he's got two Gs in there. Yeah, it's Hagar. Uh, yeah, that do makes we have, more sense. Uh, um, he would now be 72 years old, nearly 73 in real life, Mike. Just think about that. 
uh, it's hard doing those doing those suplexes at that age uh, so the English language version changes the setting to quote sometime in the 1990s and gives the uh, birth dates without the years um, but the translation that they used in Final Fight 1 on the GBA reverted to 1989 I guess to give it some more of that sort of uh, that retro chic um, many elements from the game and its plot were inspired by the 1984 film Streets of Fire as members of the production staff were fans of that film uh, one of the main characters Cody was inspired by the hero Tom Cody who was played by Michael Parry and the story of the movie was about the kidnapping of a young woman by a city gang and the Mad Gear gang as it's named in Final Fight uh, takes its name from the overhead racing game of the same name 1987 Capcom coin-op known as Lead Storm or sometimes LED Storm outside of Japan now uh, our personal histories with the game. I'm going to start with James because I think you might be very new to Final Fight. Yeah, my, my exposure to Final Fight is I think probably I mentioned on the Street Fighter uh, Alpha shows. Oh, show, yeah. sorry. Um, was strictly through the characters that appeared in the Street Fighter series from Final Fight uh, and that, that crossover, the fact that the universes um, sort of coincide. Uh, so... It's a game that I've been aware of and a game that I've wanted to go back to, having played the likes of Shinobi, Double Dragon, Streets of Rage, you know, a lot of the sort of stable mates from the, from the time, but never Final Fight. Um, and so I'd popped it on our spreadsheet as one that I'd like to play at some time. And as luck would have it, there was a spare seat on the show. So um, this past week, I downloaded the PS3 version of um, Double Impact and tucked into, into it. Um, played through on all three characters but only completed it through uh, with Cody once just um, finally completed it yesterday Okay, it'll be interesting to hear because we've mm. had some I, th I think relevant and interesting correspondence about the nature of playing this game in uh, in 2016 and not where coins are at stake so <laughs> that'll be something interesting Um and you played the double impact version, presumably, because yes, you, yeah, on PS3, it was yeah. you who mentioned yes. So yeah, Andrew's version. Excellent. I'm very pleased. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's still it's still being bought and played, but I assume <laughs> you see no uh, you see no profit from uh, no, from our recent no. purchases. No, sadly not. Uh, Carl, I reckon uh, I reckon you go back to the to the arcades for this one, probably. Yeah, I would say my introduction to Final Fight is some sixteen years earlier than James. Um, I would hazard a guess it was roughly around 1990. It's it's difficult to put a date on it back then. I was being six, but um, as I've mentioned in past shows, uh, my whole life I've been around the seaside, and the seaside means arcades. So whether it was in the north of the country or the south of the country, Final Fight was everywhere for me. Mm. Um, now, it was quite expensive, not for me. I wasn't earning that much money as a six-year-old. But for my grandparents and my parents... They gave me quite a bit of money to put towards Final Fight because it's something that I would play, well, without fail every single time I was in the arcade. And I was quite fortunate because the, the arcade near me was, it wasn't a standard stand-up uh, two-player unit. It was actually mm -hmm. one that had been converted into a big screen, sit-down, uh, big oh, sticks, yeah. big buttons in front of your unit, which, you know, that that was heaven for a... Uh, a six-year-old me, um, because it, it just felt like it was of some importance in, in the arcades. Obviously, at the time, I wasn't aware of just how important it was going to be. Um, but yeah, a long time ago, Final Fight, it's one of my earliest memories of, of arcade gaming. Um, for me, yes, I was a regular at the arcades long before 1989. Um, 
being a Brightonian, um, pretty much every coin-op came to Brighton at some point in one of our many, many arcades. Final Fight was uh, in several of them, and uh, I played it both in in my hometown and elsewhere. Um, I remember it was one of those games where you'd be playing it on your own and other people would come up and say, you know, can I join in? Um, and you'd actually strategize with people about, you know, sharing the uh, sharing the delicious street food and, and all that sort of thing. Um, and since then, I've played it. I, I think I played the SNES version on somebody else's, possibly, but I didn't. I don't think I ever had the cartridge myself. Um, didn't have the Mega CD version because I didn't have a Mega CD. But since it started to be re-released on various compilations, there were some compilations by uh, Backbone for their previous previous gen machines uh and psp that had final fight on um and i I played through through it again on there but um but in recent times it's been all about the uh the double impact version that nice segue that uh andrew was a designer (laughs) on so andrew before your work on this game uh were you a final fight fan absolutely yeah yeah it's one of the games that um, I've, there are two or three games in my sort of history uh, that that I have a weirdly vivid memory of um, yeah. playing, and um, I mean I would have been seven when it came out, and I'm guessing right. you know um, it wouldn't have been that year, 1989, when it would even reached our shores, maybe. Probably. But but it was certainly a seaside town, uh, much like Carl. You know, um, I, I was in rural Essex, but we'd we'd take trips. Um, I can't remember where it was. Probably South End, I would imagine. Um, oh yes, and um, yeah, I, the 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 thing that stuck out stuck out for me, and the thing that attracted me towards it was just the size of the sprites. You know, the characters. And, yeah, uh, I'd never seen anything like it um, up until that point. I'd been sort of interested in games and had a uh, I had a Commodore sixty four. I don't think I had a SNES at that point. Um, obviously, I don't think they were out even. Were they? I'm not sure. Anyway, so not, yeah, not for, quite. No. For me, it was a classic kind of. Um, wow the arcade's offering something that i've never never seen before i can't imagine having this at home and and uh, it kind of stuck with me since um i've i've sort of made a point of trying to sample it on kind of like through the history uh, uh various updates and consoles i think the final fight one on my was it gba was the the one that probably mm. got the most play um i never actually owned it on any of the earlier consoles and then of course yeah we're as luck would have it, uh, we ended up being offered the job of porting it by Capcom, uh, oh. and I just uh, <laughs> couldn't believe the couldn't believe my luck. Fantastic! Yes, we'll hear a lot more about that later on. Um, but first, as usual, we're just going to talk about uh, the game itself, and I want to start with those giant sprites. Um, probably first and foremost with those three famous shall we even say iconic characters uh, obviously mike had his name there in in the first game uh guy also known as guy g-a-i um and cody travers now the travers name was only added i believe when final fight streetwise came about the much maligned xbox original uh version of the game uh, which i've never played but i've watched being played through on youtube and that's probably enough for me um, but these three characters, obviously, they've come back into uh, into the public eye uh, as uh, additions to uh, Street Fighter. Mike uh, Mike Hager actually uh, is uh, has also appeared in um, what was the wrestling game he was in, and his and and his daughter was in it as well. Um, was it Royal Rumble, something like that? Uh, anyway, they've they've all made they've all made appearances yeah. in other things since. But um, what do you think it is? Uh, chaps about these characters that makes them so kind of recognizable and fondly thought of personally i would have thought at least for me 
um, would have been the size of the characters on the screen because that's what actually drew me towards the game and played it as a youth. Um, more with the size of the enemies and the size of the characters and everything was big and chunky. It was just a, a pure visual thing. Um, to, my, to my personal taste, when uh, Street Fighter was a game I would play in the arcade, the original, um, and it never really stood out as anything more than just standard fighters. Uh, whereas in this, there were always there's just something about that that scaling um, and and strength and and the likes that basically drew me towards them. And obviously, Hagger, <laughs> Hagger's height, Hagger's uh, the way he would throw his punches, the animations. It was just those things um, that every time I went to the arcade, I had to play it. As as a result, it looked different to everything else. The the interesting bit about the the. Um, the cited um, inspirations for the characters, you know, in the setting um, uh, being Streets of Fire um, as well. I mean, it's hard to ignore how similar Mike Hagar uh, looks to Jesse Ventura, um, who was yeah. sort of in that time was was having his sort of burgeoning movie career. Um, and I think that there's, you know, the, 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 the fact that that reached as far as, you know, a bunch of um, Japanese game devs um, speaks to how sort of iconic some of that work was and the fact that they sort of riffed on on that whether it's directly specifically that or not is a uh, it just speaks to um i guess the the archetypes that people identified with back then and then yeah. uh, and, and i think that now people the the nostalgia factor is huge you know um and and for some reason the 80s as a period seems to just never ever go away in people's minds so so even now people appreciate those three characters in in probably almost the same way as they did when they uh, when they came out yeah we talked about the sort of the in in retrospect in hindsight the sort of craziness of the 80s uh, urban brawler and there were loads of these you know as i mm. say by the time this came out i'd completed you know the double dragon games renegade and all these others multiple times and i was you know it was just like this was one of the along with scrolling shoot 'em ups this was the genre of the of the mid to late 80s especially and even before kind of streets of rage the the sega team responsible for that um kind of basically copied many of the sprite designs from final fight and put them into their own game the last half um, of the game is big yeah, yeah. streets <laughs> yeah. of rage yeah um but these were already archetypes from other games so i assume that was in a way that was why sega weren't worried about being so blatant because actually you know we're going to talk about the whole poison roxy thing but um those characters were had already basically been seen in Double Dragon, you know, the kind of the 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 prostitute like dominatrix type, you know, character and all this sort of thing. This these were not new in Final Fight. And as I say, Capcom's entry into this genre um was actually quite late in the day. Um but they waited, I guess, until they had the you know, I mean this was still a CPS one coin up, I think, but it had the oomph it had the power to move around all these sprites simultaneously. I mean, that's the thing that I think is really striking about Final Fight to this day is the sheer number of on-screen antagonists at any any one time. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think the um, the thing is that when I think of the characters in this game, inevitably all the references that I draw are from games that come after it. You know, yeah. the, the amount of detail in, in each character sprite is something that I wouldn't have expected to see before a Street Fighter 2 or a, um, a Streets of Rage. And and the, the point about the archetypes uh, extends beyond the three main characters, although those three archetypes do look an awful lot like archetypes we now see in Street Fighter games. Um, 
being the the big sort of brawler character, the the sort of Street Fighter, Streets of Rage style Cody character, and then your your ninja character essentially that guy yeah. is in in his kind yeah. of uh, gi, um, and being faster and and um, you know the different amounts of damage, different moves, the different expressions you get from each of them, and just the different feeling from looking at them. But that extends right into the whole uh, roster of characters on the screen. I can't remember a, a game that I've played that's this old that um, actually names every one of the enemy characters. I mean, there were archetypal enemy characters and you knew what to look for and you knew what movesets they would have uh, in mm. other brawlers. Um, yeah. But, but each one gets their own health bar. They get their own name. They look very distinctive so you can pick them out straight away you know that this character is going to come at you with knives this character is going to flip over you this one's going to run in and throw a bunch of dynamite sticks on the ground and die Mm -hmm. in one hit you know you you know without the names what they're going to do but having the names there having them all look so distinctive just gives a lot of extra flavor and that's reflected in the detail of each of the sprites as well um i feel like playing this now for the first time i imagine that Double Dragon Shinobi had sprites that were as detailed as this, but I bet they didn't. That's my memory playing tricks on me, thinking that they probably looked this good. But actually thinking about it, it surprised me even now to see just how much character there was to each of the mm. each of the sprites on screen. Yeah, um, and I think now I you know I pride myself on my knowledge of eighties coin ops. Yeah. I don't remember. A game before having the 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 uh, of this ilk having the names of each character come on with every single character, and it was something that Streets of Rage copied again and picked up and and ran with. Um, But yeah, I think as far as I know, it's the first example of of a a game like this doing that. Um, But I I wouldn't swear to it. There there may have been a a predecessor that that struck me. But likewise, that's just a a sense I have from very Mm. vague memories of of those sorts of games. Um, I do remember a lot of those, those kinds of brawlers having to kind of remember how many hits it would take to take out each of the types of enemies on screen. Yeah. So seeing a health bar there, that was great. I, I knew when I was in trouble, you know, and, yeah, I, yeah. and I had to get out of there, and I knew when I could just sort of stand at the edge of the screen and just mash wildly, knowing that I'd, I'd get the last couple of uh, hits in. And if you had, you know, if you had the operate the arcade operator's manual or um, or a home computer conversion of one of its one of this game's, you know, predecessors, mm. uh, you know, by another company, I mean, um, you would have had names. You know, generally the characters did all have, uh, you know, yeah. identifying yeah. Uh, names and stuff like that. But this was this was there. They were on the screen, and uh, as one of our our nuggets of trivia says, uh, a lot of them were named after you know eighties iconic figures, including rock musicians like Axl Rose, Slash. Gene Simmons, Sid Vicious, Billy Idol, uh, Abigail, who's named after King Diamond's second album, uh, <laughs> looks a little like King Diamond, uh, Roxy and Poison, um, obviously, and uh, obviously uh, Andrew mentioned the Jesse Ventura thing, but uh, Andore or Hugo um, and all his various relations who turn up in the game <laughs> is uh, clearly based on Andre the Giant. Mum, dad and Andore. two kids, isn't it? It's like, yeah, um, it's really isn't there like grand, Granddaddy Andre and something like that? It's, it's, a huge, it's a huge family throughout the entire franchise yeah. of Final Fight. It, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. You've also got um, Poison as the guitarist yeah. from Poison. 
with yeah. the same hat. So it, it, mm. all through the game, aren't they? It, it, it's it's littered with sort of homages to US culture at the time, um, yeah. Yeah. Which, which again was was kind of strange because as a six year old, everything is kind of interested, and you start getting. Uh, whiffs of culture from the news, from TV, from media, etc. You know, MTV was kicking off, and you're like, Slash, I know, I know Slash. That's, and then you start thinking, Oh, a- Axel, like Axel Rose. And it, that was a really strange experience for me, and it's something that that is, is unique to Final Fight again, as James mentioned, because of the name in all the characters, but it was a really mm. strange thing to play. And sort of be on the on the periphery of modern culture at the time, uh, yeah. whereas yeah. if I was five years older, six years older, it, it wouldn't sort of feel so special. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I can see the reference in these things. But at the time, it was like an, a little adventure into. Oh, I think I, I think I know that name. Obviously, the only one that was really recognisable to me was Andre the Giant, um, because he was just a cultural phenomenon at the time. And again, as I say, as we sort of touched on this with this again with the Streets of Rage bare knuckle podcast, but I was there in the eighties. I was a teenager in the eighties, and the streets weren't. I know these games were generally set in America, um, mm. and there were you know there probably was more general random violence in the streets in the in the late seventies and early eighties uh, than there is today uh, in in uh, in the UK and in America, but. Um, it wasn't just like every time you went down a street, there were a load of multicolour Mohican knife wielding <laughs> thugs and a guy in really tight uh, stonewashed denim jeans to flying kick. You know, it, it wasn't a, it was it did represent this kind of odd kind of hyper fantasy version of of real life. It was it, it wasn't it wasn't even cartoony. It was just kind of so absurdly over the top. It, it, was, really it reminded me. Uh, obviously retroactively of the warriors the movie which came 10 years oh, earlier totally definitely uh, an influence. funny yeah. funny yeah. you should mention that because that's the the director of that is the director of streets of fire so there's a there's a through there you go. through point there um and both of those films yeah. are obviously hyper real aren't they they're they're crazy yeah yeah absolutely yeah and uh, and cult classics yeah it's amazing how influential that was and obviously we waited until the mid 2000s was it until rockstar made a, a the warriors game since then there's been another one as well um a downloadable one but uh, i think people remember the other one more fondly um but it always reminded me of um you know i was a big fan of paul verhoven's uh, robocop that was 1987 <laughs> and although that was set in the future these brawlers had the same kind of feel of of you know dystopic urban yeah, street yeah, yeah. misery. That attitude as, was there, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So Very it's much. it's funny. Obviously, Streets of Fire I've got on my list here. Uh, Class of nineteen eighty four is another film. The Warriors Robocop I've got down here as well. But the yeah. uh, so I think the reason maybe you're right, Leon. This is more of a stereotype than a reality perhaps mm. like likewise i didn't grow up on the streets of los angeles or new york i have no idea maybe <laughs> this was, was actually like it. but it was yeah. more of a um a stylized version or what you saw in uh, entertainment particularly um and i think part of the reason for that is that i get the feeling from that entertainment from those media that there was a very strong fear of gangs of disaffected youth in this sort of post-punk era through the late late 70s early 80s um and so you see it in uh in 
when Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator arrives back in 1984. Um, yeah. That group of three hoodlums there and the way they look. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and and there's something of the fear of, of, of groups of kids that just have nothing to lose and are, you, you can't reason with. And there's a fear yeah. of that amongst... Um, that nihilism, older, older yeah, people who've who've got something yeah. to lose, and so seeing um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character walk up and just destroy the three of them, take mm. what he wants from them, and leave them, you know, to rack and ruin of their own making. That's part of the fear is is going after these gangs of people who are the downfall of society in the eyes of, of some. You know, there's a very, um, I guess, right wing, not to get political about it, view of you know being dictatorial and being over the top in your response to to this and so having three characters motivated by a, a kidnapping albeit um go and just wipe the streets clean is a very um cathartic setting yeah, I guess or, or a cathartic that- action to take but ultimately, I suppose the actual depiction here is about as much like street brawling as Street Fighter Two is like street fighting. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, uh, yeah. it's not it's not meant to be a, a representative show. Yeah. It kind of undermines it. If yeah, anything, yeah, makes it yeah. kind of seem a bit silly. Obviously, along with this uh, gritty mood and setting and these bright, colourful, hyperreal visuals, we've got uh, what is now a fairly famous soundtrack. Um, as I say, the the soundtrack, it was kind of outed that more than just the one composer worked on it when um, the uh, City Connection, um, I think, uh, is a sub-label of, is it Clarice Disc? Uh, anyway, it's a, um, it's a publisher that produces um, game OSTs, basically. It probably puts them out on vinyl as well, because that is the thing to do at the moment. Um, and when they released the Final Fight original sound collection in 2014, it uh, it properly credited everyone who wrote music for the game. Um, now, we'll talk about uh, the arranged uh, stuff that you had on uh, Double Impact later on, but let's talk about the original CPS sound, chip sound. Um, now, some of these tunes to me are just incredibly um you know transporting in terms of taking me back to the arcades of the late 80s or probably early 90s yeah um and i think you know some of some of the tunes i really like and in fact playing it playing through the game again uh the last week or so multiple times um i've played it both with the original sounds and and the arranged musics on depending on my mood um and it it is a it is a bit of a mishmash bunch you've got um you've got some quite sort of light and almost muzaki pieces but i guess the overall tone is this um i don't know i don't know what you'd call it i mean it's pre grunge um there's definitely a rock influence which goes along with the names of all their characters and stuff um but it's obviously got that very very recognizable specific sound that the the, the sound chip in those cps mm. coin ops had Anybody else care to comment on the music? Um, music. <laughs> there's this, the strange thing in regards to the sound chip, and I don't know if this is the same case with you, Leon, is my strongest memory of any sound coming from Final Fight was being in the arcade was of the, uh, the, laugh. In, the, the laugh and the phone ring the phone on the, on the, the attract string because they were ear-piercingly loud in the arcade. <laughs> Absolutely um, spot on, yeah. That, that was the sound of arcades in, say, the first six months of 1990 was... 
Ah, yeah. who? Ah, who? Ah, I can't, I can't do it, but obviously. But, um, <laughs> and, and that, that really crunchily sampled uh, old style telephone ringing. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 But the music, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird because I, I would have expected the soundtrack, given all of the, the sort of enemy characters and who they're based on, to try and ape that kind of hair metal. Yeah, music. more, uh, more Guns and Roses, essentially yeah. that, that sort yeah, yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, but I guess, given that it's a it's a sound chip that you're producing the music from, it's never going to really sound like that. Even if you try to ape it, it's always going to have that kind of synth aspect to it, uh, anyway. And as it happens, that's not a bad thing because the um, when this game's set, electronic music taking over from punk and hair metal and that kind of thing was a, a that was of the time, you know, um, mm. music being supplanted, traditional instruments being supplanted by uh, electronic synthesizers and, and that kind of thing was, was very apropos anyway. Um, yeah. But I, I did find it really interesting flicking between the two soundtracks today and, and listening to the mm. obviously uh, similar soundtrack, but much fuller, much more... Um, just fuller is, is the best way to describe it um, and then going back to this sort of stripped down bleeps and bloops sounds a horrible way to describe any soundtrack but that's <laughs> what it side by side that's what it sounds like you, you almost hear the gaps more than you hear the 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 actual sound that's being made um, but that said yeah. I ended up playing mostly um, with the the original soundtrack just because it it felt fitting to be playing a game from 1989 with mm. a really stripped back, um, you know, sound chip based soundtrack. And it obviously didn't transport me back in, in terms of the specific music, but just the, the way it's, it's uh, rendered and made uh, very much did. Yeah. For, for me, they're, they're kind of iconic, but not in the way that uh, uh, Mario soundtrack is for example i couldn't i couldn't really hum anything other than the kind of uh the intro uh yeah da, 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 bit you know because lord knows you which you must have enough. heard a lot of time well, oh. you must have heard everything in it quite a bit <laughs> yes I mean, yes imagine. quite a lot yeah. um but but as soon as i so you know replaying it through for this uh this lovely chat um we it, it all came flooding back as soon as the first note on each level hit. I I was you know hum, kind of humming along in my head as I was playing, <laughs> and um, I think yeah. one of my favourite is probably the 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 weirdest the sort of um, the second level the subway track because there's sort of mm. I don't know it feels like it's 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 almost like each composer had a, a, a level and just created a yeah. song that sort of fits the theme rather than necessarily trying to, you know, pace it to, to any sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, player progression or anything more advanced yeah, than yeah. just, you know, yeah. make a cool sounding song that frames, you know, fighting on a subway, um, uh, for example. And, um, yeah, I just think that's, um, that was probably slightly more than most games bothered to do um, at, uh, around that time. Yeah, there were definitely some, uh, you know, there were lots of lots of soundtracks I loved, but I do remember, uh, 
Um, I think, you know, sometimes we need to talk about the sound effects as well. Um, and I think sometimes the, the music would get lost in the mix a bit because there is so there are there are so many shouts and cries again for the time um, sampled voices and quite, you know, deep rumbling clangs of barrels being smashed and um, and the, the sort of the, the satisfying clatter of people hitting the floor. Um, and while I think um, what Yuzo Koshiro and the Sega team did, went on to do with the music for Streets of Rage games was astonishing. It's interesting. This game came out, you know, right after the sort of second summer of love and the start of rave and things like that. But obviously, <laughs> it would have been designed before that kind of movement had really kicked off. So, um, whereas Streets of Rage got to pick up with with that the full blown techno electronica and run with it in in the most incredible way, this game was still, uh, yeah, it was more influenced by the the sort of eighties rock and stuff like that. Um, and I think some of the tunes become a little indistinct and samey, but some of the main some of the main riffs that you know, I mean, like the one that uh, that you at Proper Games decided to have play over the you know over the um, in the, its arranged form over the the sort of title screen. I mean, that's a classic riff. You know, that's that's really recognizable stuff um but the sound effect so we talked about how in our street fighter 2 podcast i think uh, overall and don't want to speak for anyone else but how i felt was that um some of the 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 contact punching kicking sounds in street fighter 2 were you know i mean they're they're famous and in some ways they're amazing and they just sound like street fighter and that's cool but i think um with the street fighter zero series with alpha they went on to kind of really hone that and i think here this is even a couple of years before street fighter 2 and i think some of the punching and kicking sounds are a little woolly and a little indistinct a little muffly and i think they could sell some of the punches a bit more but as i say i don't want to do it down too much because i think like the sound of the the bodies thumping into the floor and the barrels being spanged and all that that's there's still some really like as an overall soundscape i think it sounds you know incredibly cool like a 1989 arcade game should well if you want final fight to sound really good Try the SNES version first, because the sound effects in that are atrocious, uh, um, yeah. and it makes the arcade one sound so much better. Um, mm. Yeah, I think it's a, a limitation of the sound chip used uh, in, in in terms of the sound effects. The they're just sort of the, the epitome of sound effects that are just there. You know, they, they they fit a purpose. There's the swing of the punch, the land of the punch. The enemy going back, the enemy landing. They're all very sort of generic sounds with not a lot of uh, gusto behind them. Um, I think revisiting it, uh, which this is the first time replaying for this show that I've revisited it in probably 10 years. Uh, And some things hold up really well. Um, And obviously when you've got such strong memories of a game, the things that caught me out were were the sounds... Bar obviously, like I said, the phone ringing and and that horrific laugh because yeah. they were they they're burned in in the in the mind. But uh, the actual yeah. sound effects and the music were a little underwhelming. Like I was kind of really disappointed by them um, because I don't know if I necessarily remembered them being better. I just assumed there would be. Uh, hmm. it, probably the thing that I enjoy least about the game now um, was was the sounds. They just don't feel special. Um, when I could name so many other things uh, around Final Fight that that are still special, or at least 
you know, inspirational to, to future games, you know, no less than Street Fighter 2, <laughs> which which was clearly impacted uh, heavily um, playing this. And having recently played Street Fighter 2, the original one again, uh, and then replaying, Street, uh, replaying Final Fight for this podcast, you, you sort of see how close they are. And that, that sort of made me smile because that made Final Fight feel really important again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we should talk about the actual gameplay. Now, one of the things that strikes me about, about Final Fight every time I play it, and probably did at the time, actually, is that it kind of streamlined things from some of its predecessors. Um, it seems normal now to play an arcade game from late 80s with two buttons, but actually some of the other games in the genre, such as Double Dragon, had already used three buttons. Uh, jump punch and kick um so to go back to two with some context sensitive stuff um in a way may you know perhaps made it perhaps this was capcom's attempt to make it even more accessible um this introduced i think this was the first game as far as i know again not 100 percent sure that introduced the idea of a kind of special move that involved pressing two buttons together but at the cost of a little bit of your health bar um but actually, although, you know, the game I've played through a million times since Streets of Rage 2 uh, offers more buttons and more options of moves, there's a, I'd say there's, um, there's a fair amount you can do with, uh, with joystick wrangling um, and stuff in this. And certainly what I've found is playing through this three times over the last few days um, and again back in uh, 2010 when Double Impact came out, which I did exactly the same thing, um, is the more you play it... Well, the more I played it, the more I enjoyed it, the more I re-understood that there is skill to this game, that there is strategy, that there is uh, there, are, there are ways of playing this that are you can just brute force your way through um, by just hammering the you know unlimited credits, which, of course, was a very different experience as uh, <laughs> as you guys would have found in the arcades when you have to when you've got that countdown, you've got the image of, of your character with the dynamite, the, the characters chained up and they're trying to blow the spark on the dynamite out. And you're going, Mama, I need 10p. Uh, uh, it, oh, 10p, it's, it's, I tell you, the cheap down in Brighton one, huh? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, so, I'm thinking I already had 20. I needed another 10. Ah. Know, you remember. Um, <laughs> You had like two thirds of a credit. Um, those big old heavy ten p's, mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, and and that whole experience. But actually, um, yeah, playing it through again um, after yeah, t- best part of um, however long of of. of yeah, thirteen years of no, twenty three years of Streets of Rage. I can't <laughs> believe how. Yeah, um, Streets of Rage two. It feels slightly simpler, but what it does have in its arsenal, even going back to this, is its pace is relentless. Yeah, abso- absolutely. I think you know it was something that I'd never appreciated until we developed it. Was just quite the amount of slight nuances in the way different characters um, obviously they handle differently but even down to what they did with knives uh, versus each other that's right you know, um, and uh, and all the other bits and bobs in the game and and yeah the, the, the that pace is is like the exact thing that like makes the game kind of exciting I think you know um, it, like you say they've simplified a few things the context sensitive stuff of like you know just walking over and punching to pick up food or whatever it is um or, or a weapon um 
that combined with you know that, that that's a simple interaction and it's not a, a necessarily an interesting choice in and of itself but then yeah when you've just got this constant pressure of a bunch of bad guys bearing down on you ready to kick your butt um it, it suddenly kind of uh, uh comes alive um and i mean i i even got to the point maybe i'm an apologist but um um the 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 occasional frustration that you'd have when, say, uh, you're trying to manage your health and you don't want to pick up a, a health item, but it's right next <laughs> to the pipe that you do want. Um, initially, that's a frustration. You, you, you know, inevitably, you'll get it, or the game rather will get it the wrong way around, um, and it'll mm. cost you valuable either health because you get slapped in the face, or, or, or yep. you know, you, you eat the thing and you didn't need to. Um, but yes. actually, that becomes a for me like that just becomes another ingredient because it's it essentially means well hey i can either go over there and gamble for it or i can try and get through this this mm. bit um you know on on without the help and and that's unpredictable that element and most of these Absolutely. games didn't have that kind of unpredictability and i think it is a slight weakness but it, it didn't kind of break the game and it actually for me added a little bit something to it and watching high level playthroughs you should be managing your space so well that you never get yourself into that situation. You know, super level play, high level play, you wouldn't even get yourself in that situation because you'd be managing every enemy, every screen so perfectly that you wouldn't even get yourself into a sticky situation like that. So that's like the third level of, of, of play. Yeah. There's, you know, there's kind of hammering through it and just spamming buttons and and credits then there's the get trying to get good at it and doing as well as you can way and probably using quite a few credits and then there's the go on youtube and see somebody <laughs> who's really good at this game not even lose a life it, it's it's quite incredible and it's item management obviously you mentioned with the health but the one thing final fight had was the management of the weapons which was different to the other game of the same year i believe uh, in turtles which was another oh, yeah. ar- which was another arcade game with two buttons, Konami's, yeah, 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 and again a special move on two buttons. I don't know which game came first. Uh, would have been Turtles actually, yeah, because um, um, Final Fight was right at the end of the year, so I think Turtles was for the summer, and then it was replaced by The Simpsons everywhere the following. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, roughly around that time, and yeah, yeah, um, at uh, the uh, not awesome games done quick. Uh, yeah, awesome games done quick, which happened. At the in December to January of this year of of, of twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. they actually had a high level playthrough of the Turtles game. Yeah, and that was the same thing. It's all about managing your space. Now I've never seen a high level playthrough of Final Fight, but it's obviously possible. But yeah, given absolutely. that given that not in the Turtles game you've already got your weapons and you're only managing health in Final Fight, you're actually managing the weapons. You know the throwing daggers, the actual the swords and whatnot, and, and then you've got the effects that certain weapons have, such as Hagar swings the pipe quicker than Cody or Guy, or Guy swings the sword quicker than Cody or Hagar. Um, it's certainly something that I'm going to have to watch after we've recorded this podcast because uh, revisiting, I went for the standard cheap arcade of jump, long kick, <laughs> yeah. turn around, jump, <laughs> kick, turn around, jump, kick, and just clear out the groups of enemies as best I can. And then when they swarm you, special move and, and rinse and repeat. And it's really cheap. But that's certainly a part that, that's of That's how game. I played it. That's how I played it yeah, in yeah. the arcade. There's more to it. There is more to it. Oh, than of that. course. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a lot but, of depth. But that is certainly like this. Is, that's the sort of middle middle level of play that I was <laughs> yeah. talking about. You have to have a certain amount of skill and strategy, but it's not the it's not the super level, and it's not the just you know just doing whatever. That that brings us on to environmental hazards, of which mm. there are there aren't loads throughout the game. Um, there's the chandeliers towards the end, which are 
fairly yeah. easy to manage by and large. But yes, the industrial zone feels like um, the start of that level. There are basically bursts of fire which come up from the floor. They yeah. do, they are in a pattern. They're not random. You can manage that space, but it does feel like a very deliberate. Yeah. Uh, you're this. You've been playing this long. Yeah, Here's a big you're, difficulty you're spike. Two thirds of the way as well. Two thirds of the, the way machine. through the game. Either pay yeah. us some more money or get off the machine and let those other kids play. Um, and you have the random yeah. Molotov chuckers as well. Yes. Uh, as as well as the fire out the floor and it that that's the moment I remember um when I when I was replaying it, there was there was a the wry smile of how many times that was the moment where you step away from the machine and you're like, I'll beat it another day. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's where I've used all my money. The most bizarre thing about the um the fire on the floor section for me was I just completely throughout that forgot I had a jump button. I was trying to like <laughs> like you would in a, in a platformer, <laughs> trying to line myself up in the gaps. And when it's a slightly isometric or slightly skewed perspective like this obviously is, where you need to have the the depth mm. into the screen being represented mm. as a slight up and down. Um, I I especially when the fires ended up diagonally across, I just ended up dying repeatedly. But <laughs> obviously, yeah, without the frustration of of having to find more money to put into the machine. It yeah. was just, yeah. it's another continue. But, well, maybe I won't get the 18 continues or less achievement this time, you know? So really that added a, a free song. It added a free song having, having the, uh, the real, you know, playing, playing coin ops back in the oh, day, yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're on limited budget. Um, oh, and another frustration regarding that is that, that mm. different arcades would give you different lives to start with. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, oh. the, the, the dip switches were always, uh, you know, it was always worth looking out, because you know they wouldn't. These games would often have. I don't know what um, Andrew. You would probably know because uh, by default you just go in and there is a default setting. But I, I don't know. There were probably normally like five, six, seven different difficulty settings depending on something like the arcade that, yeah. operators win. Yeah, yeah, which would dictate you know the amount of energy you lost and how many um how many lives you got and all that sort of thing yeah yeah it was it was it was often a thing you know like because again in brighton we had like one we had west street where there were literally six or seven arcades next door to each other and then you had the pier and then you had all the ones under the promenade and then you had further ones hidden away in various streets it was always like ah did you know if you play final fight in this arcade you get three lives instead of two or whatever <laughs> so like, yeah. did you get the feeling that was an intentional competition between the arcades managers maybe if, if we <laughs> tweak all our machines to make them slightly easier we'll attract know, more actually. people in I, I guess yeah i guess they just they just i think they just fiddled around with them and, until what worked sometimes you'd go Got into, a, working, into yeah, an yeah. arcade and it would have changed, you know, they would have, they would have mm, altered mm. the settings because they got all this diagnostic feedback, you know, seeing how long per coin yeah, sure. and this sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. talking about those environmental hazards again, uh, uh, this is another uh, point where the sort of higher level play comes in. So on my, on my first, my first couple of run throughs getting to industrial stages, like, yeah, I'm going to lose a load of credits here. But the third time, I did I did a Hagger playthrough last night and I'm like, right, I know exactly when these flare up. I know exactly where I need to stand. And I know that if I'm in the middle of my uh, jumping uh, body slam animation or whatever it is, apologies, I don't know wrestling moves, um, then even if the fire comes up when I'm on the floor, it won't hurt me. You know, it's, yeah, that, yeah. it's that typical coin-op stuff or, or arcade game stuff or, or whatever where, you you know, you really need to know know your iframes um, yes yeah the, the, exactly yeah 
you know more of the lingo than I do. Jamie. I've been doing <laughs> well, this for... iFrames is now uh, a fighting know. game and Dark Souls lingo yeah, as well, yeah. so yeah. It, it pops up. Uh, I know. Although it obviously originated I just, here. I talk about all this stuff, but I never know. I never know the. Uh, I never know the terminology. <laughs> um, another thing I noticed that I think has an ele- element of the random to it, or possibly it's an element of the depending on how well you're doing. I'm not sure on the code, but there are all the barrels that get bowled at you on the later stages. Now, mm. if you if you do a special move there, you can take them all out and you get you get multiple drops from them. You get multiple mm. collectibles. So there's obviously there's your three kinds of collectibles. There's uh, your weapons, which are simply pipe, sword and knife. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. In this game, there's no yeah, yeah, yeah. no dynamite, no molotovs, because in, no. in Double Dragon, they'd already you know given you whips and dynamite and all this other stuff. Um, then you've got your food collectibles, of which there are surprisingly more kinds than I remember. There's like... <laughs> yeah. Uh, curry or something and 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 um steak and whiskey yeah, steak sandwiches pizza. And, yeah cuz everyone uh, remembers the chewing iconic gum. chewing gum the one yeah great <laughs> great, great great game trivia that is the one <laughs> chewing gum that the uh that the very camp um gun wielding cop whose name Eddie E Eddie E Eddie the Eagle um no it's not yeah. him. uh you can you can eat his recently discarded chewing gum for a sliver of uh <laughs> Sliver of health, nice. Touch. Tell you what, it's worth uh, it if it saves you thirty pence. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and of course, the trivia about that is that you get awarded uh, points that that line up to the designer's uh, birthday, uh, Akira Nishitani's birthday. Nice, good trivia. Yeah. I didn't know that. No, me neither. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, it, well, it's the same, isn't it? It's, it's a member of the same team used uh, their birthday for Rio in, in Street Fighter. So yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's just stuff. a cool, cool little trivia. And then you've got the other collectibles, which I think um, seem to, if and maybe again, maybe it's my imagination, or maybe it's the the, the random factor. But it felt to me like uh, the longer I the longer I stayed alive, the kind of the rewards ramped up in a sort of almost in Rainbow Island style. So if I'd been doing well, I seemed to get more diamonds and gold ingots. Whereas if I hadn't been doing so well, I didn't get so much shiny stuff. But that could be mm. completely wrong. But it wouldn't surprise me if there was code like that in the background somewhere. Uh, yeah, I, it's not something we came across, but then we were, yeah, the emulation rather than uh, actual sort of That's diving it. in. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, you're right, it did seem Absolutely. like that sort of happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would, it would um, make sense. There's no point dropping a health pickup if you're full on health, although obviously that happens at times, unless you're yeah. going to give a commensurate point boost when you pick mm. up a health item you don't need so that's the mm. other way to do it is to replace some of those with um with score bonuses if if you're in that situation i never was but no no this also introduced the uh the car crushing bonus stage again i'm not sure if this was the first ever game to have such a thing in it i don't think it was but it's a, it's it's a fairly famous one and obviously it kind of got ported into street fighter 2 yeah, yeah. it's famous not only because you get to smash up a car with your bare fists, which is not that easy in real life. Um, it's also one of the first uh, instances that we need to talk about, about the uh, the, the localization in the mm. game or censorship, depending on how you view it. Um, so in the original, uh, dude comes on whose car you smash and says, oh, my God. Um, but in the sanitized version, <laughs> he says, oh, my car, which is genius. Um, and I believe uh, you went with the unsanitized version for Double Impact, Andrew. Indeed, yeah, we, we went. He says, as, God, 
were you, you, did, you didn't have to ratify, get, get that okayed with anyone, or did it mean you got a higher certificate or something? Um, like I, that? I don't believe it did, no. I, I think. Not, not nowadays, sure. No, no. Um, <laughs> well, you never know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. yeah the, the stranger things have happened, but uh, it was very much just a case yeah. of, um, you know, because it was the original one, we were trying to do the best version. Yes. So that was, uh, that was all hunky dory. Was there a temptation with particularly this mm. one I'm thinking of because nowadays it'd be called a meme uh, oh my car is so well known mm. was there a temptation to sort of oh maybe we should stick with that one because that's now <laughs> notorious and and beyond perhaps oh my god or was it just let's just go back to the original version across the board I think we just yeah we just went clean back yeah. to the original but I mean that said there is a lot of things you know you know where we were tempted to do everything you know so if we were doing a definitive yeah. version then it would be great if you could switch all of that sort of stuff on and off and because yeah, different yeah, people yeah. had had different experiences and so you know that's, that's their right. original who are we to say different you know um, but yeah yeah absolutely. yeah um so yeah the, the we should talk about the multiplayer a little bit more um we'll talk separately about how uh you uh proper games implemented this quite excellently i think online but um back in the arcades talking about the original local multiplayer um yeah this was you know one of those games where you would either uh, go to the arcades with a pal and play it two player you couldn't on the snes version famously couldn't handle the uh, the 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 stuff that was going on it was a snes launch game and famously quite a lot of the early super famicom games had trouble with uh, sprite handling a lot of slowdown stuff like that so it would have been uh it would have been a non-starter but um, on playing the original coin up on emulation, whether you play it on MAME or the double impact version or whatever else, um, two player is kind of a, a can be a huge part of the experience. Um, it gets pretty chaotic, but <laughs> yeah. there is there is a lot of fun to be had. Thanks to friendly fire, which again wouldn't have been what it was called back then. But no, um, yeah, I mean that was the thing. You you've got this. We, we've talked about. Obviously, it's a scrolling brawler. You scroll the screen, scrolls from right to left. You walk from left to right. But there is this tiny, really quite small bit of vertical movement. Um, I mm. think Sega really expanded on that in a lot of areas in in Streets of Rage. The, the the vertical movement in Final Fight feels quite claustrophobic. I think by by subsequent standards. But it certainly meant that if you were playing cooperatively um and you'll see this if you do leave the drop in drop out on on uh, on double impact which uh, people still will drop in and drop out from time to time um it can get really messy and people can get very angry with one another <laughs> it was interesting in the arcade because the people would often as you said would just walk up put the money in and yeah. it was a complete stranger. It was always better when you were playing with your friends. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we always did the incredibly British thing of when you got team killed, didn't complain, there was just deep exhales and maybe a, 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 <laughs> a, a light tut. <laughs> but yeah. you kept getting hit. But, uh, yeah, it could be incredibly frustrating. Um, you will get the point trolled. That, you will yeah. get trolled online now by people yeah. just coming in to ruin your game. <laughs> and, you know, I, I eventually I got it on the Amiga. Um, and I yeah. played the Amiga version. And I didn't like it, so it was a case of uh, having the advantage of being able to go and play in the arcade. I went back to getting punched in the back of the head by uh, by random strangers. Yeah, in the game, in the game, yeah. <laughs> elbows, yeah. elbows, elbows yeah. in real life, and, and uh, reverse elbow smash in the game. Speaking yeah. of um, higher level play, as you as you early on, I found, mm. and I'll come to it when we get to the online section of, of Final Fight. But I found 
playing in, in co-op made me much more aware of my placement. Instead of just running around the screen randomly, yeah. not matching, but pretty much. I mean, it was it was on my way from matching to actually paying attention to what I was doing. And playing co-op made me focus much more on that because obviously you don't want to be the guy just standing there mashing away and, oh, I kicked, knocked you over again. Um, so suddenly I was much more aware of where I need to be on the screen, where he was, who was tackling which enemies, um, and it, it just, I felt, suddenly improved my um, my play massively, having someone else there that I needed to be aware of and take into account. Because I, I wasn't costing them money if I hit them, but I certainly wasn't making their day any better if I did. So, yeah, um, so yeah I just felt it, it made me massively... Uh, just focus much, much more and, and pay attention to what I was doing and made me uh, just play far better, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it can be a help and a hindrance, uh, I would mm, say. Yeah. Um, there's, there is fun to, to, to playing it through on your own, but ultimately I think it's, um, it's quite rewarding to play it in co-op, as with so many uh, classic arcade games. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to talk very s- specifically about that experience. We're going to hear from uh, one of our correspondents later, uh, Alex, who's a regular correspondent, always, uh, you know, nearly always plays along with the show and, you know, plays stuff new and old and gives everything a fair crack. But uh, as you will hear, he had a pretty awful time playing Final Fight uh, recently. Um and that got us into the conversation on the forum about the sort of uh, the level of difficulty and the fact that the game, you know, ultimately is completely beatable without even losing one life, let alone a credit, let alone, you know, multiple credits. Um, but when learning the game, um, I think uh, this is also brought up in a, in a Eurogamer retrospective article that it, it can adversely affect your, the, you know, your experience if you just treat it as a game that, well, I've got infinite credits and so I can just play through this without even attempting to learn how to play it. Mm. Um, You know, and it was, it was designed as a, as a coin up to eat your money. And and the vast majority of people who would have got walked up to this coin up and played it would have had their money eaten. They'd have put in however much they felt they wanted to, and then Mm. walked away. Not many people as with most uh, arcade games of the 80s and 90s would have got really good at it but the option was there Capcom were not unfair there were some arcade games that were and uh, you know just would take your money but ultimately this game is completely tameable um, but I think it is something we need to look at in the sense that if people go to play this now if they play Double Impact or they play it on one of the retro compilations or main they will just be able to um, you know just spam credit so what, what would you say to that and I mean James let's start with you what how, how did you approach this game? Now, I know you approach all games very, you know, studiously and seriously, but yeah. did you find yourself just going, you know, credit, 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 I'm going to spam my way through this? And, and did, did it lessen your enjoyment in, do you think? Obviously, from a certain point of view, yes, I was aware that whenever I had to hit start and watch the ludicrously 80s action film knife <laughs> stop the dynamite from blowing up, um, I was I was aware that it didn't really cost me anything. Um, but it didn't cost me anything at all. It's not, Just it your pride. Really, it didn't at all. It's literally two seconds, press start and press uh, X to, to select my yeah. character. Um, so from that point of view, 
there was no need for me to have uh, attached any value to to a continue. Um, and that's really where I, I come from this. You know, s- some people are of the opinion that if something's given away for free, it loses its value. And, and this this conversation as to whether uh, a, a, an arcade game can really be properly valued if you haven't got the attachment to having just put potentially your week's pocket money into the machine. And this is the only five minutes of enjoyment you're going to get, and you best get the most out of it you can. You know. Welcome to my childhood. Well, ex- yeah. exactly, and that's yeah. that's not what we face today. But with XBLA and PSN, we went through uh, sort of five to ten years ago this period of playing all these games that that was the reality when they originally came out. Um, it's recently been brought up as well uh, for uh, Zelda Two specifically that. Yeah the ability now to play the game with um, save states is not reflective of some people's experience of having had to bang their head against this game for months, possibly years, when it first came out in order to get good enough to beat it. And and that's certainly true. There's conversations about Dark Souls with that. You know, is it a more valuable experience to some people because of the difficulty or in spite of it, etc.? And so when I went into this, I just had to think, okay put myself in the position of someone putting coins in the most important thing for me was through the period of playing this game and I've put five hours into it or so across the three characters I noticed myself getting better not to the point where I could do this without continuing at all by any stretch but I saw myself getting better and therefore I can see okay initially if I wanted to complete this game I'd have had to put in way more money than I would have had at that time but once I got started getting better at the game, once I was playing co-op, once I understood what the game was about and learned some of the naturally with simple mechanics, you get exploits like punching enemies when they're off screen or um, using the, using and abusing the grapple mechanic just by walking up to an, an enemy kind of shimmying when they're trying to attack you and then just grappling them. Um, that's definitely using, not abusing. That's, uh, that's well, a huge part of yeah. the of the scrolling beat 'em up is is cancelling enemies' animations out and, and yeah, knowing, yeah, definitely, but, knowing when but to grab them. What I mean by abusing is just those exploits of the mechanics that that yeah, sure. could be seen as cheap, just because you can rinse and repeat them over and over and over again. And that was just a a natural uh, product of having two button one stick fairly simple mechanics was you were going to find an exploit like Carl was saying with the the jump kick just back up jump kick back up jump kick over and over again and that's how I fought Andre for example always because I didn't want to get close to that character so I learned how to play the game I I probably didn't have that moment of well I didn't have that moment of absolute joy when I finally beat the game because I hadn't invested months of my time and money into doing so but I can still understand what that would mean and what that would be uh, and, and see the game for being as good as it is in terms of how I improved over over five or so hours playing it this past week so that would be my thought I, I i i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that i i played it now and didn't have to worry about whether or not i could pay my rent this week <laughs> that would make me feel bad if you'd done that uh, no it costs you two pounds 49 so I'm, I'm, exactly yeah. and you can't have it out of the patreon even uh harsh but fair uh carl or andrew anything on this on the, the infinite was, credits problem if it's a problem it, it, the the sort of the limited versus unlimited credits wasn't even just a case of how much money you had in your pocket, but 
um, from the experience of being in the arcade was how many other games did you want to play in the arcade as well. Of course. Um, and, you know, Huge you may get halfway through the game and you're thinking, well, I kind of fancy playing, you know, uh, Taito World Cup 89 or I kind of want to go and play the Turtles game or Gauntlet, etc. Um, and, you know, if you had five to ten pounds, you could probably beat Final Fight every single time you were in there. However... Playing it now through on emulation where you can literally just add an extra credit, something is lost uh, to the memories that I experienced in that arcade where mm. where there is something at stake. Um, I don't necessarily think it necessarily makes the game better or worse, but there's, there's something in there, uh, sort of in the back of your mind, where sometimes you think, well, maybe I should step away from the machine because, you know... If I have three more credits on this, I can't play anything else. And you know, that, yeah. that was always the big consideration at the arcade was, you know, you Absolutely. go in with five pounds, what are you playing? That kind of thing. Well, you also know that, you know, if you, you the, the, the 30p one credit you spend on level six on Final Fight would last you way longer on the first like two or three levels of alien syndrome or something so yeah it's it's not necessarily a sensible investment um mm. to you know keep uh, especially if you're in industrial zone and you're just getting flamed alive yeah it's it's like okay i've had enough i'm done with that and yeah, yeah and and as we sort of said that was probably capcom's intention to a point and I, if i was ever playing with someone co-op i used to do the cheap thing of mm. if i died i'd sit there and i'd see how the that my co-op partner was doing. If he got through the flames, I'd be like, "Yep, thirty pity. So <laughs> I'm going in again. So typically, you can't. <laughs> but very sensible, frugal and wise. Yeah, brilliant. Um, now I know. what well, I'm, I'm going to talk to you separately, Andrew, about some of the things that you put in to kind of um, actually countermand this issue um, in, in in the vault. Uh, so we'll, we'll come on to that, uh, which I think will be relevant. Um, one thing we do have to touch on, I don't want to get too bogged down in it, but it is kind of a famous story about this game. It is the whole Roxy and Poison thing. So in the original game, as I mentioned, uh, they were depicted, these two characters are depicted as uh, femme, well, kind of, kind of, uh, what's the word? Femme fatales, but kind yeah. of l- low rent ones. <laughs> Um, like uh yeah they're, they're like street walkers with uh yeah, with ladies of the street ladies of the street ladies of the night with uh with with high heels and a bad attitude um now the speculation is that uh they were intended as drawn to be exactly that um but at some stage and it's still unknown although i personally believe that they were intended as women in the original game because all the other characters who were just like them in all the other games were women um at some point because of the issue of beating up women was raised in uh, at some stage during the the uh, coin ops uh, journey to america or or existence in america uh, someone from Capcom suggested that they were cross-dressers, either transvestites or actually transgender, transsexuals. Um, now, it's, this has become a whole kind of thing. Um, nobody really knows. I think officially, canonically, they are now transgender, but I'm not sure if that's right, I interestingly. Is, yeah. not, is not only one of them classed as transgender. I think, is it only Poison is now classed as transgender and Roxy isn't? Oh, okay. It's it's all a well, whole mess work. and it came because you can't punch women in a video game and... Mm. 
Mm. It, it's um, really but then it, weird. Yeah, but then, and then of course, it, the, the, you know, saying they're transgender is fine, but then it also depicts a very certain specific image of transgender people. Yeah. So it's yeah, it, it, it's kind of you know, it, it kind of doesn't matter, but it's kind of a bit messy and stupid. Uh, interesting. I read a quote earlier from ArcadeMuseum.com, who seemed to be uh, down, come down on one side of things. It says, despite claims made by the author of the book entitled Game Over, who I know is uh, David Chef, the female enemies Roxy and Poison are not transvestites they are quote true bad girls the fact that they are female can be shown by seeing guys stage in street fighter alpha 2 and the official capcom artwork in versus books street fighter alpha 2 strategy guide apparently nintendo of america thought they were transvestites so they replaced them in the u.s snes version of final fight so that's another level of confusion because they're saying (laughs) oh so so nintendo of america wouldn't have transvestites in a game so they put blokes in instead Uh, yeah so and you know the fact that you can see their women are like then mm. yeah that's that doesn't work if they've had you know surgery uh, or whatever yeah, I mean, so that brings the, in a whole other question of yeah so nintendo of america are fine if they're cisgendered women but <laughs> if they're transgendered yeah. women suddenly it's a big problem and that's i mean that suggests that the problem isn't hitting the characters the problem is we don't want characters that are transgendered in our game surely that's the only takeaway from that particular decision if that's I really had to wonder how much of this comes down to the sort of Zangief being gay is that really just a mistranslation misunderstanding Mm. when the game was translated from Japanese to English I think that's a big thing isn't it It is sort of the mistranslation of language or misunderstanding the intentions Um, you know there's, there's the comment isn't there regarding poison that they were actually classed as new halves, which is essentially Japanese slang for transvestites. Mm, mm. Um, And, you know, when it goes between... Because Capcom worked, obviously, in America, and they worked in Japan, and you wonder miscommunications between teams, and then one thing's leaked out of one place and another out of the rest. It it does end up a bit all over the place, and, and Poison's... One of probably the epitome of of, of misunderstanding uh, of a character's description uh, across gaming because this is something that um, when Street Fighter Cross Tekken came out, she was very clearly just female and nothing is drawn towards it. And then there are the other games in the series where Poison appears and she may be a transgender, and then it, the whole thing is a mess. And I think the original intention was that she was just meant to be female and then something has come out and then there's just a whole mess across the media and now no one really knows. Uh, yeah, I think I've, I've, that's that's where I come from. As I say, this this type of character was a complete classic coin-op archetype in the 80s. Uh, for right or wrong, um, it was one of many, many ridiculous character types in this game. It was always the way that the one female type looked basically like this and, uh, and since then things have got confused. Uh, <laughs> but I noted with interest that um andrew you did uh include the original uh you know sexy for want of a better word uh sprite design yep. because i believe there were options to either use the slightly more demure version um which i think in- was included in some versions where they were slightly mm-hmm. less underdressed or slightly- mega cd version the same right. CD version. Yeah. Okay, so they they probably didn't exist in the emulation in the uh, one no. you're using anyway. No. no. So that, there was never any any, any thought of uh, addressing this. Well, I mean, there? it was certainly something that yeah we were we we're obviously aware of and 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 
obviously we'll probably cover some of the, the stuff that we did I, I'm not sure we helped the situation at our, uh, our launch <laughs> event um, <laughs> um, but uh, okay we'll, yes that's that's on the list of we'll things cover to talk that about. yeah um, but um, I mean it's yeah it is interesting a lot of a lot of the materials that we were supplied with um, we were very very lucky actually a surprising amount of original sort of scans of concept art and, um, and the cabinet artwork things like that and for I, I have a really peculiar memory for one of these incidents where um it was magic sword specifically but it, it's related to this is uh right. one of the characters uh scans was a, a concept art piece for the lizard man but in magic sword he's called uh rizard man with an r yes. and it seems yeah it seemed a bit like is that not i mean you know it, it seems like a cliched sort of bad taste joke about how all the japanese pronounce um l's and r's do get transposed in translation yeah, yeah. they do yeah. um and mm. and so, you know, moving that across to Andre the Giant, Andre, Andre is phonetically Andre. how a Japanese person would say Andre, um, and how the, yeah. how it would be written phonetically. And so this kind of this kind of confusion and mix up and, and interest can come from anywhere, um, and, and, it, and it's often the most innocuous uh, thing, um, especially with Andre the Giant. You'd think maybe oh they've just added an O because then they're not going to get sued by the wwf yeah. or something but um, yeah. it's it's actually much more likely to just be that well that was literally the name um of the character well let's get into it um super keen to do so so this as i say was 2010 um and i think when it first came out well, I, I remember it being 800 microsoft points yeah that sounds um, right so that would have been six pounds 80 back in the day um or about $10. I don't know how much it actually normally goes for now, but as I say, it was recently in a PSN sale for £2.49, um, and I suspect it's often f- sort of three quid or whatever on XBLA. I don't know. And as we say, not only do you get Final Fight, you also get Magic Sword, but uh, we don't have time to talk about Magic Sword, I'm afraid, today. So, um, yeah, you mentioned that... Um, how did this start off? You were at Proper Games. What what had you been working on, and and did this just come out of the blue directly from Capcom, or did it come through somebody? Yeah, so we had um, we had pitched a game called Flock uh, previously to them. Um, oh yeah, of and course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then they signed it with those guys. Um, the, it was the Capcom US uh, office. Um, who we had a really ended up having a really really good relationship with uh, throughout the development of that game. Um, they wanted to work with us again, and we hadn't got anything lined up to to pitch or anything like that. Um, and they basically offered us the the job. Um, they just came to us and said, "Look, we're we're investigating, you know, uh, releasing Final Fight on on modern consoles, and would you mm. would you be at all interested?" And I think it took us all of ten seconds to say to say yes. Um, yeah. uh, I think everyone on the team was a, a big fan of of you know the 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 franchise of, of just Capcom's kind of storied history. I think most of us had grown up on a lot of their games, you know, and it was just this uh, sort of dream come true. Yeah, amazing. And um, I believe I read an interview, I don't know if it was with you or one of your colleagues at the time of release, because obviously me being me, I was hugely excited for this. And this was obviously going to be a day one XBLA purchase for me. I'm sure I was there the morning it came out waiting for it to pop up on the store. Um, Was it your idea internally to just add this extra game? Um, Or was that part of the deal? That was that was part of the deal. Um, I I was it was peculiar because most of us had never actually heard of it and um, during development I actually no. grew quite fond of, of, uh, of Magic yeah. Sword it's surprisingly cool good um, yeah. and uh, yeah I kind of it's kind of like an arcade Diablo way before Diablo was a thing but um, hmm. um, yeah so that, that was just kind of part of the, the the package I mean I think we we, we didn't really um, ask the, the whys but um, thinking back to it now and sort of 
what I, what I know now I think um, it might have been just a, a safety measure essentially you know not they weren't 100% sure how much perhaps Final Fight on its own had uh, <laughs> in terms of cachet um, this was right. 2010 weirdly is just before um, the internet really sort of took on um, well, uh, I don't know what the word is, but like you know, most memes and most uh, you know, like, yeah. uh, nine gag wasn't a thing. Um, uh, 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 Reddit wasn't a thing. Um, all of these amazing mm. communities, you know, that now kind of feed off of this kind of thing weren't weren't around. And so, I, and I think Final Fights had a bit of a renaissance, right. you know. But uh, but so you then. wanted to make it a bit more of a value proposition by emulating two rather than one. Call it Double Impact, which is obviously a nod back to the uh, Dreamcast Street Fighter Three compilation, which was the first two Street Fighter Three games. Um, yeah, um, and Magic Sword was a game I knew, um, but it obviously was never as ubiquitous in the arcades as Final Fight. It was more of a, a rarity and an obscurity. But Capcom made quite a, a few games of that sort of genre. Um, Black Tiger was it or Tiger Road? Um, there's, a, there's, there's a few. There's a few uh, scrolly, hacky, slashy platformers they did, um, and yeah, that's a, that's a nice bonus. But uh, I assume it was a case of really the development was first um getting the emulation working so did you use code that already existed or did you have to build your emulator from scratch i believe we had to build it from scratch um yeah yeah the guys basically we were quite a code heavy team i think uh if i think back mm. correctly we were about sort of 10 10 or 12 people and i think like five or six of those were were coders um and uh yeah yeah the the majority of the the development time for for the team was just getting it up and running you know um getting any sort of imagery moving uh on the screen was a was a real uh, uh sort of eureka moment um kind of harks back to when it was difficult to even get a polygon rendering you know uh when 3d first started being a thing um but uh but yeah it was it was proper like you just here's the rom here's you know you've got access to hopefully as much information as you as we can provide you but um uh, and documentation but obviously a lot of uh a lot of that was written in japanese um and um yeah so we just kind of had to go right right down to the metal and, and figure out how to make it make it work it's something that comes up quite a lot and it's something actually that i wasn't that sort of um familiar with in like the first few years of sort of proper retro compilations going back to like the namco museum collections in on the ps1 and stuff like that but actually the quality of emulation of of 8 and 16 bit era games varies wildly um now going back to the stuff by uh, backbone or digital eclipse as they were um some of their sega releases on xbla um the 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 emulation actually seems a bit patchy you know in places it's it's it doesn't feel right now i think i would say that um you know i've played also played final fight on uh main and and your code seems to be pretty spot on you know and and it certainly maintains it maintains the feel of the original coin up um and obviously yeah you went you went to town uh, somewhat on adding you know extra authenticity options like the uh the scan lines and uh and the, the monitor the phosphor glow which is one of the only games where i've ever seen that phrase used um i think since then i've seen an even more impressive um a, a few uh, a few emulations of even more impressive quality by m2 the stuff they do on the 3ds is just mind-blowing and nintendo's own emulation but i imagine 
given that you were kind of doing this from scratch for a one-off project and sadly you didn't really get to use this code again did you no we um, didn't we didn't it was a real it was a real shame um I, i'm not sure the why's and the wherefores but yeah another project really um materialized and it seemed crazy because we'd built this uh you know i think like yeah. you say compared Shell. to the other stuff out mm. there it was it was it was a jump ahead um and the style yeah. of the presentation and, and all of the bits and bobs yeah it was it was a, it was a real shame but uh i was expecting more double packs mm. my 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 online wallet was completely ready for more capcom <laughs> double packs or, or or even other developers but um uh yes that's you've just mentioned it the the vault stuff mm. seems to have been pretty much lifted wholesale by iron galaxy who are another amazing emulation studio um they've done they've done cap most of capcom stuff in recent times uh they did the dark stalkers uh and marvel uh, versus capcom and other um uh, street fighter 3 and stuff like that and they they've um done i think they've done a really good job with their emulation they're now working on killer instinct of course but they pretty much took your uh kind of wraparound system of having um kind of uh an internal set of achievements basically with which to unlock assets that 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 you were, were you the first guys to do that um i think we may have been it was it was certainly like a real team effort from from the guys at capcom were just super like excited about the the project they um you know had loads and loads of ideas and obviously knew the the property really well so um yeah it was a lot of fun working on that but i, I think it was mostly the 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 then very young mobile scene um, uh, mm. that had done very vaguely similar stuff with the, the sort of uh, reward schemes and things, and just taking yeah the Xbox achievements and going, hang on, you know we can we can do so much more on this. Um, and as 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 developers of um, the digital store games back then, no, you weren't allowed as many uh, trophies and, and no, uh, stuff right. as the big games, yeah. and we're sort of like, well, can we figure a way around that? So, yeah, mm. the vault was born. And it really, really played into that stuff we were talking about earlier because so many of the rewards, and there's a lot of stuff in there, concept art, all the presumably loads of the assets that Capcom gave you to, to develop the game with. Yep. Um, it's tied into getting good at the game. So, you know, get this stage done by this amount of time, get this stage done without using umpteen continues. So kind of you're actually, I think the the brilliance of that is that you're actually getting people to get more out of the game by by offering those incentives yeah yeah absolutely and it and it's like you're saying earlier the the whole idea of trying to balance a game that you no longer have um you're not putting your 50ps in or whatever you don't you, you you're losing that risk and 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 that that sort of sense of um the portioning out i suppose of the experience so to to the peril <laughs> to um yeah to, to kind of encourage players to really uh invest in the systems and figure out that it's a really well designed and fair game um it just it is hard um and uh and this yeah the vault like yeah it played into that really really well i think it kind of hopefully solved a lot of those potential issues for for a lot of players and i mean also what perhaps one of the most striking elements of the presentation um is the the sort of the the uh the actual the the broken wall in which the <laughs> the arcade machine sits and then you you know you kind of zoom up to it go into it um and from there uh it by default you're still looking at the cabinet and you've got this beautifully scanned in um 
bezel you know coin op marquee yeah, from yeah. from back in the day um and sometimes again sometimes i like to play with that on and the curved screen and the scan lines sometimes i like to kind of because in a way that's how you saw it back then but in another way actually playing it full screen or or near full screen with no scan lines and super sharp pixels is the way that you were playing it in your head sort of thing so i think it's nice to it's nice to have the option but um yeah, what was that? Was that your your baby coming up with the, the presentation like that, or were you? Is, is your stuff more um, on the technical side? So my stuff, I, I guess, day to day was very much yeah the achievements, the trophies, the vault, and all that sort of UI work uh, involved in that. Okay. Um, but but the presentation, I think, just all of us were such huge fans that mm. you know we wanted to you know um uh, yeah sort of simulate that in as many ways that are faithful as possible um and uh, and and like i said we had a pretty code heavy team but that meant you know if 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 we were just to emulate the game the art guys you know wouldn't actually have anything to do so we were fortunate enough to to yeah. sort of have that room to really invest um time and effort into sort of well how are we going to do this you know what what's the ideal well the ideal was this was before vr was a thing was to kind of emulate an arcade cabinet and 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 have you be able to walk up to it and all that sort of thing and and we weren't sure i remember being quite close to the end of the project before we were sure that we could do the you know the game actually running the emulation actually running on the screen and you just like move the camera up to it and then it becomes what you are playing um uh, but, yeah. but i think it's one of those things that without it you know it would have been wouldn't have been quite as special um but yeah there's a there's a little easter egg item on either side of the wall as well so Ooh. so there's there's something on the magic sword side from final fight and there's something for, uh, vice versa I did notice um, that, apart, although you know the the coin op code itself is largely untampered with, as far as I am aware, there are some proper games logos stuffed in the background in certain places. So that means that one of your artists has actually had to go into the into the Capcom code and kind of jiggle things about. Yes. Was there, were there any other examples of that? Well, so basically that came out of um, yeah the logos and things that are um, you know they don't have the license for. Uh, yeah, back, sure. Back then, yeah. maybe these kinds of things, uh, you know, they they weren't weren't so closely guarded. But if there was a very similar Coca Cola yes. badge in the background, um, <laughs> yeah, we, right. we had to sort of replace it. I can't remember the whether that was literally what it was, but um, but yeah, it was that it was all that sort of thing. In the original game, there is a Coca Cola oh, okay. yeah. sign in the background. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it probably is that. Yeah. It probably is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that the only only example of that? Where I mean, I, I I have no idea of the like what the technical thing is where you actually take you know the co- the code of the ROM that you're emulating to go in there the, to this 1989 code and actually kind of you know. I don't know. It's probably, maybe it's really easy, but it sounds like it's like magic to me. <laughs> I think. I think broadly, what happened is, in, you know, they figure out the um, like the machine code address essentially of of the asset exactly, and then yeah, and then yeah. they just because of because we're emulating it, you know, like we're literally processing everything that's happening, and we can then say, well, when this bit is called, we'll actually just swap it out for 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 this other other asset or whatever. So. Yeah, but it is it is kind of incredible. I mean, I'm I'm quite glad. I'm 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 very much sort of like a, an art leaning designer rather than a code one, and 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 I'm quite right. pleased because, you know, uh, it kind of spoiled the magic if you know too much about it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and you even uh, as a studio uh, incorporated some proper net code. You, you you rather than just go with the default uh, bog standard sort of is it peer to peer that XBLA mm. often used. You actually inserted ggpo you know netcode fighting game netcode basically to try and offer a smooth drop in drop out experience to replicate that of the original coin op um, yeah 
Who, who who decided that? So that was a link through the the Capcom US guys again. Um, um, and yeah, they they I think investigated using it on some other stuff or 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 had uh, perhaps. And uh, we were sort of a second round. I won't say guinea pig, but you know they were keen to to keep using yeah. it. They had a good relationship with them, um, and um, yeah, it's a fantastic bit of um, code, really. Uh, obviously, a lot of games, uh, a lot more games use it now. Um, but one of the, mm. the, I believe, the way it works uh, predominantly, or rather, the, the main sort of caveat for it is that you essentially have to fit all of the game into um, the uh, uh, sort of into into memory in a in a way that can be essentially sent as an entire lump uh, rather than mm. sort of um, uh, you know peer to peer where you're just sending the things that update um, I believe that essentially yeah. GGPO has to encapsulate the entire thing for it to work properly um, obviously that's Crikey. a lot easier on smaller older games um, and and yes. and whatnot but uh, now the arranged uh, soundtrack we've mentioned it um, was this specially composed or was this exist existing stuff from like OC Remix or something? Uh, like this was specially composed by um, a guy called Simon Vickland. Um, uh, he did. Oh, I he, think I know that. Yeah, name. so he did yeah. the Bionic Commando rearmed music. Um, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah, yeah, so he was pretty hot right now uh, at that time. I'm sure he still yeah. is. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. um, but again, that was a it was you know Capcom had worked with him uh, on that and, and thought, wow, he's mm. great. Um, we sort of I did I do think we put out a pitch to, to for for some you know other audio people to to have a crack. But um, his his pitch sort of won because um, obviously he's uh, he's pretty great at capturing what makes it so special in the first place. Um, and yeah, it was, yeah, it was just stuff. a wonderful addition. Um, uh, I, I think it's you know it's one of those things. Um, I don't like playing with it on as much as I should, yeah. but because the sound effects aren't sort of up processed or something in the same way, um, yeah, uh, yeah, which just makes it seem a bit bit sort of uh, out of place in a way. Uh, but uh, but as a soundtrack, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, it's definitely great in its own right. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that launch event now I remember seeing a video of this I used to follow a, a, a used to be quite friendly online with a, a another developer chap called Dean James Smith he used to work at oh uh, yes yeah uh, at um, he worked on Crackdown uh, I used to work things. with him <laughs> at um, Dean sorry at Visual Science yeah yeah, yeah before uh, oh right yeah, yeah 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 oh really yeah. okay yeah and he's a very funny guy mm, uh, yeah. and I miss his tweets he, he seemed to he was on Twitter and it, like every time he tweeted something it was always funny um, <laughs> but he seems to have disappeared off the radar um, I'm not sure why but anyway there was a video of him getting thrown out of the wrestling ring that you hired for your launch event. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. What, yeah. what, what, what was the... What, what, so this would have been like May 2010 or something yep. like that? Yeah. What, what, and, what and happened there? Well, to my eternal um, uh, sort of chagrin, you know, it was before streaming was a thing. I think it would have been just absolutely incredible for more people to have seen it. But so essentially <laughs> um, we, we'd, we'd hired a, 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 a sort of junior designer um, or level designer rather, um, uh, uh, towards the end of the production, a um, friend of mine called Alex Pass, um, and he's uh, he was involved in amateur wrestling uh, in in the local area in, in Dundee in Scotland, and um, and so we kind of 
I don't know, like the project had gone so well and we were just sort of like everything we'd done, you know, Capcom had just said, yeah, you know, your fans do it, do do what you like. And we kind of pitched this idea of, well, maybe we could have a Final Fight themed wrestling match at the launch event. Mm-hmm. Um, Dundee has what a... What could possibly go wrong? What, what could possibly go wrong? Um, and Dundee has a, a really, really strong game development, you know, community. There's a lot of companies there and we sort of put the invites out to as many people as possible. Um, and uh, it was absolutely fantastic. We had some some just you know we uh, exhibition matches, if you like, just between the the, the wrestlers. Um, and then we had some actual final fight themed fights. Um, and uh, I think the highlight, other than Dean uh, getting getting thrown out, was that um, <laughs> this guy Alex uh, he dressed up as as Poison and uh, fight uh, fought uh, one of his wrestling. Uh, friends uh, dressed as Cody and it was just uh, oh, okay. one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen um, yeah but I mean they they went to a great a great level of detail on it you know they were doing doing moves from from the, the game you know the one I think it, good. and it's just like I don't know it, it, it was really nice that Final Fight seems to it's not just us being nerdy you know it really has uh, sure. a lot of meaning for a lot of people uh, yeah, no, no knives or bottles. Or, uh, no, no, bottles no, no. We couldn't afford the sugar glass, and uh, the, alter- <laughs> the alternative was just you know <laughs> <laughs> too too terrible to think. <laughs> so the reviews came out, and uh, it did critically very well to score over eighty percent, uh, according to game rankings. With a retro re-release, um, must have been pleasing um, because I think uh, apart from places like here and our wonderful community, I think uh, things projects like this are generally really undervalued um generally the the sort of the voices you'd hear would be saying oh it's overpriced you know whatever it's only <laughs> this, you know, this much money for they you know they've hardly done anything to it they've just you know pooped out a, a coin up or whatever and um yeah i think i think as we know there's more to it than that um so i don't know if you either know these figures or are able to share them but did did it sell well it did. Um, I, I genuinely don't remember the, the precise numbers, but um, I know sure. it, it did sell very well. I think they were very pleased with it. Um, yeah. Excellent. And uh, they even got a physical release as part of the Capcom Digital Collection in 2012 on PS3 and 360 with a few other um, of these similar sorts of projects, probably Bionic Commando Rearmed and... Was Flock on there as well, or was Age of Booty? Was it some of stuff, or was it always was it their known IP, uh, known IPs and? I think it was more their known known IP stuff, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I've got I had them all on XBLA, so there was no there was no point in <laughs> no me buying need. that. <laughs> now um, we normally go into depth about all the ports and conversions. We're not going to have time to do so much of that, but so in brief, um, lots of home systems got. Uh, conversions of this the first was uh, as mentioned earlier the super famicom launch title final fight which lost the two-player cop as we said lost the industrial area lost guy as a playable character um didn't have the transitions of characters walking through the scenes but probably most importantly although this was you know a well-reviewed and well-considered and looking looked authentic in screenshots conversion there were nowhere near as many enemies on screen or moving as fast at any one time um there was a fair amount of censorship with uh, damned and sodom becoming thrasher and katana Belger's wheelchair was redrawn to look like an office chair, which is hilarious. <laughs> just thinking about him wheeling in on an office chair uh, with his with his multi fire crossbow. Uh, Poison and rocks, we as 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 we've said, were replaced by uh, Billy and Sid. All alcohol references were removed. The old my car thing, the blood splash effect thing, is now just a kind of the general yellow stabby 
or you know punchy mark i think uh some of the darker skinned enemy characters were even given lighter skin tones i'm not sure if that's a positive step or a negative one but this is 1990 we're talking about um soundtrack was ported by toshio kajino uh, carl wasn't a fan um and famously a revised edition called final fight guy came out in 92 replaced cody <laughs> with guy so you still didn't have both because they couldn't increase the size of the cartridge i guess um had new opening and ending sequence included four difficulty settings and two new power-ups um but the industrial area stage and uh was still missing it only came out in america through blockbuster rentals in 1994 by which time it might be said the ship had sailed uh, final fight has been released on both wii and wii u virtual consoles there was a mega cd version which i know is often regarded as its kind of finest port although actually if you just look at it statically the screenshots don't look as arcade authentic as the super famicom version because of the color palette and so on of the mega cd but it was ported by Sega, uh, retains nearly all the arcade game's features. Um, it has the industrial stage. You can play any of the characters. It has a bit of extra voice acting at the beginning and the end. Um, but it still had fewer characters on screen and slower gameplay overall. Uh, similar localization, but Poison and Roxy were kept, though slightly less uh, overt in their stylings creative materials uh, ported the game to all five of the popular home computer formats of uh, of the late 80s early 90s spectrum 64 amstrad atari and amiga i remember the amiga version looking okay in screenshots but again i think yeah. uh, it probably was very much a kind of limited slower port it was sluggish sluggish it was very yeah. sluggish yeah the sharp x68000 um not a machine we had many of over here in 1992 uh had a close relatively close conversion but had uh different uh music the choice between a midi soundtrack or one using the internal sound chip and of course those lower maximum on-screen enemies but it did come with a cd with all new remix tunes which i imagine is probably worth a lot of money now don't know in 2001 final fight one we've already mentioned it that's the uh, gba version which um reincorporated the industrial stage and had all the characters you could play two-player co-op via a link cable um the dialogue scenes have been re-added compared to the snes version uh, it even has the street fighter alpha 3 renditions of cody and guy as hidden playable characters uh alternate color palettes are available um but the character and background designs are from the snes version rather than the coin op uh, and the enemy placement is similar to final fight guy uh the new extra power-ups it, uh, were, were retained from final fight guy and it has the same uh, localizations then in 2005 and 6 there were those capcom classics collection slash collection remixed for xbox ps2 and psp you can still find those knocking around fairly easily and cheaply there's an ios version um includes all the characters uh, a wi-fi multiplayer <laughs> Um, and some extra sp sort of special items uh, with extra lives, super special, and something called Meat Explosion, <laughs> which uh, I think is a porn film I saw. Uh, there's the bootlegs in existence like Final Crash, um, and more recently there's a game called Super Final Fight Gold, which we don't have time to go into, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing fan project that features a billion playable characters. 
and hopefully ends up a lot better than the Streets of Rage one. Yeah, well, there, there's again, yeah. there's a huge fan uh, scene surrounding those, and there, there's some things worth investigating, and some not so much. But uh, those are for another another time. So, uh, as ever, we must now hear from our excellent community who have posted when it was working at canarince.com/forum. Evil Ninja Phil says, you can kind of spot people who didn't grow up with arcades. When they walk into somewhere, they don't have a quick scan around the premises to spot a random jammer cabinet in the corner somewhere. Growing up in the 80s, I developed this habit quickly, which is how I first spotted Final Fight in an indoor market in Widnes. The market was in a big warehouse unit. The cabinet sat near the entrance, one of those big roll-up metal doors about two feet from the rain lashing down outside. I spotted it a good 20 feet off, not even knowing what it was, but it was an arcade cabinet, so it was at least worth a look. And I was glad that I did. The big chunky sprites leapt out of the screen, the tinny audio, the tinny audio spitting out grunts and punches, that finally, and finally that logo burned into the screen. Sold. I ran through my pocket change and whatever I could negotiate out of the nearest parent pretty quickly as I navigated Mike Hagar through the mean streets of Metro City. Not sure why I picked him. Maybe it was because his moustache kind of reminded me of my dad. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. This was before Street Fighter 2, but after Double Dragon and felt great to play. The attacks were simple but fun to watch. The enemies well designed and the levels just about staying on the right side of annoying, at least in the early stages. It was and is a superb arcade game, even down to the continue screen having your character strapped to dynamite, imploring you to insert another coin before time ran out. Several years later, and I was the proudish owner of a Mega Drive 2 and a Mega CD 2. Why, in anyone's right mind, would they want a Mega CD? Snatcher, of course, but it also had probably the best home version of Final Fight. Between the arcade release and 1994, I had played Streets of Rage and Street Fighter 2 and all that, but Final Fight still held a special place for me. It was, after all, supposed to be the final of all fights. So naturally, it was one of my first purchases for the machine. I believe from the Special Reserve catalogue, if you remember that. The game was still cracking. Sure, the graphics weren't quite as good as the arcade, but the feel of the game was there as well as an improved soundtrack. I spent hours on the time attack mode just beating people up because it was so fun. The only part of the game that makes me feel sad is the way that the legacy has been squandered. Sure, the characters rocked up in a few other games like the Street Fighter Alpha series and a lacklustre sequel or two, or four, but nothing that recaptured the feeling of that first game. The scrolling beat-em-up genre was one of those that didn't really make the transition from the 2D to 3D consoles. The only games that are close to it these days would be the Yakuza series, the odd retro indie game, and maybe the fighting bits in the recent Arkham series of Batman games. Still, none of them quite scratched the same itch as Final Fight. Walking left to right and slightly up and down whilst cleaning up the streets of Metro City remains one of video games' finest pleasures. Just the one post, but perfect. Thank you, Evil Ninja Phil. Now, assembled panellists, could you help me with these three-word reviews from Twitter, at Kane and Rinse? Uh, Matt Lucas says, Night Train Punch-Up. Jesse Fuchs says, Blatant False Advertising. Peter Vass or was chicken in barrels Peter Cleaves tasty bin chickens Kazimod oh my car Paul Durham it eats money Michael Ledwood take my zenny great excellent stuff thanks everybody uh, so we must summarise to play or not to play Final Fight and uh, and or what it means to us in this day and age let's start with our Final Fight newbie James uh, yeah, I think having played Double Dragon, Shinobi, Streets of Rage, uh, 
not necessarily at the time, but certainly long time ago, uh, back in the 90s, um, it would have been easy to see Final Fight now as kind of a generic um, 2D brawler. Strangely, and, and for many reasons, I think, it didn't feel that way. It felt kind of ubiquitous, certainly, uh, but it felt like it summed up the games that had come before and also acted as a progenitor for where 2D brawlers would go with, with Streets of Rage uh, and, and the like. And that was a really interesting thing to me. Uh, I'm not sure what I expected from the game. I certainly expected Hagger, Cody, Guy, and some of the other characters that I recognised from, from Street Fighter to... To stand out, but I really enjoyed how much characterization there was to this. I enjoyed the fact when I accidentally hit my co-op partner, his health bar popped up under mine as the enemy, quote unquote, I was hitting. Um, and and that co-op moment was one of the things I will remember when uh, Guy dropped heaven sent, I can only assume, from the sky after I'd, I'd no idea that uh, that online matchmaking was switched on and just Guy plummeted from the sky and uh, as, I, as I mentioned before, that changed the way I played the game entirely um, and really showed me what how I should be trying to play this game. Um, not in what the other player was doing, but just in how I had to take account of them. Um, and the other moment that I'm always going to remember is that final fight, obviously when uh, Belgier comes in in the wheelchair that's just bizarre <laughs> beyond bizarre I, I don't know what I thought of that but clutching Jessica <laughs> when I realised well. I could punch those crossbow bolts as Cody and I felt like a superhero when I hit everyone in <laughs> in a row like six times. I was Daigo for that moment, but yeah. so much so that I ate the next six straight in the face because I was just so pleased with myself. Um, <laughs> but that's what these games are. They're just such good fun, and you get those moments where mechanically simple, but I can punch crossbow bolts out of the air in this game. That's, I can't ask for more than that. I enjoyed every second of playing this and uh, yeah, I'll gladly dip back into it. I'm surprised uh, actually. Now I've realised I owe uh, our contributor Alex Dola an apology because I've uh, not uh, included his contribution uh, as as it was uh, posted and I can't currently because our website is down so very very sorry uh, sorry Alex um, I hope I've reported your experience adequately um, by bringing up in our conversations um, but suffice to say again that uh, Alex had a horrible time playing this in 2016 uh, he played it um, on the PSP emulation uh, version from 2006 so he can't you know he can't blame andrew for it or anything um but he he very much did the right i'm going to play this for the show but then you know just just uh hammered the the extra credits button and had zero fun playing it so um that's that's his experience reported um but yeah interesting that james didn't find the same thing coming to it in his as i say his usual forensic and studious style carl sum up final fight for yourself it's interesting hearing James talk about it from a modern perspective because I can't imagine coming to it now because mm. it's so synonymous with my youth. This was, you know, like I said, this was the game that I played every time I went into the arcades. If it was there, it got played. Um, and I think that is that story is pretty much going to sort of state the direction that I'm going to go with this because uh, it's so important to the 2D brawling genre in the same way that 
I've said way back when, when we did Streets of Rage 2, that, you know, when you play that genre, those are the two games that really come to mind. Um, perhaps maybe Turtles for some people, but for me it was it was definitely Streets of Rage uh, uh, and Final Fight, and probably more so Final Fight because of my memories uh, were so strongly of the arcade. And I think the way that you can play it now um, on relatively modern hardware with the, the the PlayStation 3 version and the and the Xbox 360 version with drop in drop out play sounds absolutely wonderful. And now I'm sort of kicking myself for never playing it um, because it. It, it seems that that should be the way that you played it. And when I revisited it, I did it over MAME again with, you know, didn't have to worry about the actual financial outlay <laughs> that I did uh, yeah. back as a child when, you know, you don't have very much pocket money. But it's it, you always go in airing, you know, on the side of caution because you could very well harm one of those great memories. And, and some classic games really don't hold up. And we've mentioned that in the past. And Aside from my disappointments with the audio, Final Fight is still a fantastic game. And why I've not visited it in 10 years, I don't know, but I will be going out and buying the Xbox 360 version or the PlayStation 3 version. Um, and I'll be playing it again. And I've played it before this podcast, and I'll play it again, and I'll play it again in the future. It, it's fantastic. It's one of those strange amalgamations between Japanese and American culture that's just utterly bizarre and wonderful uh, to experience and sort of wrap yourself up. And, you know, you play the original version, and suddenly a can of Pepsi drops on the floor, or you see the blatant Coca-Cola advertising in the background and, and stuff like that, and you just can't help but smile at how cheeky it all is because things were so much more lax then. You, you just don't see that in gaming now. And you sort of the, the, the blatant progression that you saw from Final Fight into the Street Fighter games and you know Street Fighter is kind of a big deal so to see where the the big influence for two sort of more, more so came from Final Fight than it did the original Street Fighter is kind of bizarre but you know excellent to experience and it's unmistakable when you play it you know you got the bold yellow, uh, the bold yellow health bars and, and the different combos and the way you string stuff together and the whole uh, collision system essentially stemmed from Final Fight rather than the original Street Fighter, at least, you know, and, and, and this is from Akira Nishitani saying so. So I think not only you, if you go back and play it now, you're going to play the epitome of uh, uh, and the, the peak of the of the 2D brawler genre, but you're going to, you're going to see where many would say the strongest and, and certainly the greatest legacy of 2D fighting games stemmed from. And I mean, how, how can you skip that for £2.50 <laughs> you've got to play it well said you, sh- you should have bought it a while ago <laughs> um, yeah I I really enjoyed going back to Final Fight again um, for many many years now ever since uh, really Streets of Rage 2 came out because I, I really like the first Streets of Rage um, as I say there is a Kane and Rinse podcast on those games but for me Streets of Rage 2 is kind of my progressive brawler masterpiece it kind of won the genre and that was it (laughs) it's like uh so going back to final fight it does feel a little bit um simpler a little bit a little bit basic but what it does have in its arsenal is extraordinary pace and freneticism and repeated plays do actually uh highlight that there is uh there is a measure of skill and strategy to this seemingly kind of just crazy onslaught of difficulty um and it is you know i'm not saying in my recent playthroughs that i've managed to get it down to a sensible amount of credits but i've massively reduced the amount of credits 
that it takes me to get through it in just three plays so if i played it three more times i could do further and further and so on to the point like i did with double dragon in 1987 like i did with streets of rage 2 in the early 90s 93 um where i can get through those games with barely taking a hit um and i think that you know that this is the sort of game that that could ask that of you and it would be an enjoyable challenge to do um, plus you'd get all the achievements or trophies for it if you were playing the double impact version um one thing i did want to say is that uh i played this when i bought built, bought and downloaded this game recently on ps3 i started playing it with the standard dualshock 3 and it was you know it was fine it was fun uh however when i plugged in my arcade stick my hori real arcade pro oh my god it's transformative it feels and sounds so perfect um it's immeasurably for me an immeasurably superior experience to play it with an arcade stick as as uh, as intended originally back in 1989 so if you can get it do that if you can put in an arcade stick do that uh yeah it's a lot of fun but although i still ultimately would say get 3d streets of rage 2 on 3ds just ahead of this if you've not played that and let's conclude with uh, andrew hmm. well i mean yeah it's such a personal game for me uh it means so much yeah. i think trying to be objective about it you know um yeah it's it's a it's a really solidly designed game um y- it it should be experienced by anyone who has any interest in the genre or or as uh, as we were saying you know street fighter and 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 as a result you know most games of the 90s uh uh um it's it's just so important to the industry uh, and the development of so many um companies and, and and genres that that it'd be crazy to miss out on it and it, and it does stand up today um but, but for my for my sort of point of view it's one of maybe five games that i point to that that are the reason i got into making games professionally um mm. and so that's i mean that's a huge thing but then to add on that the 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 <laughs> just the blind luck frankly that i ended up um not well <laughs> it's not trying to be beheaded but you know we not just making a version of it but like contributing to the legacy you know in a way that hopefully yeah you know mm. in a meaningful way um is is i don't know it's the one thing that um anytime i'm a bit down um about you know making games or or you know mm. uh, uh, being an indie uh, it's not always uh trips to gdc um <laughs> no, it's, sure. it's one of the memories of, of the, the, that project is one of the memories i always go back to and it's it it never fails to pick me up i just it's one of those things you just never think would happen um and it was an uh, uh, i'm i'm not exaggerating it was an absolute honor and it's completely humbling um to have have done anything to help people enjoy it uh, uh that otherwise wouldn't have and and to hear you guys um and the comments are uh on the forums and stuff about you know the the version that we made and and the fact that mm. you know we're giving the game a, a longer life or, or whatever is 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 just yeah it's it's one of the highlights of my frankly my life so uh yes uh people should should absolutely go and play it uh in any way they can hopefully they'll go and get the double impact version and if only to uh to completely master the game unlock everything even the vault and be rewarded in inverted commas with uh with that episode of uh of the street fighter animated series um because frankly there is no better <laughs> no better way of celebrating how daft and brilliant and mad it is than than that Yes, of course. Yes, that's uh, so. It's quite a challenge, but um, yeah, or yeah, 
you can you can there, there may be other ways of seeing that but <laughs> if you can't do everything but but do what andrew said uh, it's a wonderful summation um yeah so it remains for me leon to thank james carl and especially andrew live from gdc for uh, offering to join us couldn't have asked for a more perfect guest for our final fight show um and in some sort of reciprocation uh do you want to talk about very quickly anything that you're doing with spilt milk is there anything you'd like to plug that's <laughs> out there or coming soon well um tango fiesta was a bit of a an 80s love letter top down two-stick shooter that's out on steam at the moment um we're we're pretty proud of that um and if you check yeah. us out on on twitter i'm sure the the links are in the notes or whatever um yeah our current project if anyone's uh, interested uh, project waterways uk government mm. fund very very fortunate so yeah I've been following you being really uh, infectiously enthusiastic about this uh, project Waterways. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I wait to see that. Greatly saw by the looks of it. Oh, mm. Thank you very much. Also, I wait to see uh, if uh, Final Fight Double Impact turns up as an Xbox One backwards compatible title, because I don't think it is yet. But you never know, because the way that emulation works, it'll probably just happen when they're doing some other game, and then it will just be there. So look out for that. All right, next time in issue 215, our id software corridor shooter retrospective continues with our Doom 3 podcast.